myself into standing the lengths I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Fuck. Alright, put down your pens, put down your pencils, step away from your keyboards and settle in for this week's episode of The Writer's Block. First and foremost, allow me to thank Don and Sally Wright for giving birth to me, because without them, none of this would be possible. Also, let me thank the Narcissist Cookbook for allowing me to use his music at the beginning and the end of every episode. And if you go over to his channel on YouTube, uh, you can see, well, you can hear him do a completely legal reading of the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And it is fantastic. Um, and it's completely legal, he says. Um, so I definitely recommend you check that out. Uh, also, allow me to thank Casey Neth for the kava. Casey? Casey. Oh, yeah. oh Casey. Casey. Uh, super fan Casey Neth bought the kava for this <laughs> week's episode. So thank you, Casey, uh, for letting me and Axel drink kava on tonight's show. Uh, to all of those above and to my guest, Axel, Bula Vanaka. Bula. Bula. Here, uh, so, today on my show, I've got all my notes covered up, I have my good buddy Axel David, he is here from the National Motorist Association, he is the former communications director for the Tennessee Party of, Libertarian Party of Tennessee, and um, just an all-around great guy. Axel, thanks for coming in, man. Thank you. I think the funniest part about the... Uh, the muddied waters of freedom global uh studio here you go to the bernie sanders mailbox and turn right right (laughs) that's true that's actually true you do that is the best way to figure out how to get to my house i'm across the street from the bernie sanders house from the bernie box yeah yeah when um when i was doing the uh when i was doing the campaign uh when i was working on the 2016 campaigns um there were I had like a Gary Johnson sign and uh, a couple of the locals uh, had a couple of their signs up and they were always going missing. And I just always assumed that it was the Bernie bros across the street. (laughs) Be ballsy of them, but Uh, when I was, I was working on a campaign, I was working on a local campaign, uh, state house. And I was working for a guy, Ray Blackledge. He ended up losing to, um, the girl he lost to whose name I forget. Um, who lives here in town. She's like six houses down. Oh. Um, but I had a Ray Blackledge sign out because I was working for him and I was like, yeah, I'll put a sign out for him since you're paying me. And um, <laughs> that sign was constantly being, it wasn't taken. It was never taken, but it was always taken out and laid down on the ground. And I was like, I'm going to put it. How petty is that? I know. It was exceptionally petty. And um, I made a joke with my buddy, uh, with my one of my buddies, TJ, and I said, "Can we wire electricity?" That's what, like, that's. I, I think it's the funniest videos on there. When you saw a lot with the Trump, uh, Trump signs where people would like electrify the signs, and you don't even have to put it around it. Like you, you electrify the the H stakes. Yeah. And so when they go to like they quickly they grab, go pull yeah, it up, they, they just the electrocute the hell out of themselves. Yeah. That's hilarious. I, I, I honestly, you can't help but but not think they deserve that stuff. No, absolutely. <laughs> I um, cause yeah, when. Cause when that was going on, I, like I was coming home and like I was walking neighborhoods for him, and so I was out in the heat all day long in the middle of summer, 
you know, it's Florida, I'm hot, I'm sweaty, I hate everybody at this point because I've had 47,000 doors slammed in my face. I've been told I'm the evil incarnate because I'm rooting for a Republican, which I wasn't really rooting for the Republican, I was rooting against the Democrat, <laughs> and there was no other option in the race, and yeah. he was giving me money to be there, yeah. so... So, uh, I would come home and the sign would be on, would just be lying in my grass and I would just be like, mother. I even like invest just in like a cheap camera and just have it zoomed in on that. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Just really, am I allowed to cuss on here? Oh yeah. Shit. Yeah. No. Shit like that bugs me. And it's like, you know, just be respectful. And I, for me, I'm so neurotic that I would put a sign in my front yard, but I would be like constantly watching it. And every time a car went by or someone walked by, I'd be out there checking it, like like with my blinds out. So like, uh, I I don't have that that stress that would lead me. It's like nothing in my front yard. Right. I um, yeah. So like when I first moved here, when I first moved here, uh, you walked you walked through my house. Uh, my this office was originally in the front room where like right when you walked in, I did, that's where I set up my computer uh, and everything. So that way I, I had a window. Cause that was nice. <laughs> and, um, so I just sit there and I would like do work out there. And, um, I was sitting there one day and I was doing some freelance writing and I'm typing and my next door neighbor, the woman who still lives there walks her dog over into my yard and lets her dog go to the bathroom. And then she walks back and doesn't clean it, doesn't clean it up, doesn't do anything. And I'm just sitting there like, I can't, she just, did she really just do that? And shame that shit, man. Yeah, I, I was, I was so taken back by it. Cause <laughs> I was like, I, why would she do that? So this was back when I still drank heavily. Uh, and this will lead you to, uh, realizing why I don't do that anymore. But I was walking back from the bars because, you know, one DUI is enough. Yeah. Um, I was walking. We'll get into that. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, I was walking back from the bars. You know, it was only like six blocks down, and um, I had to go to the bathroom. And I was walking down the alleyways. I was only one house away from mine, and I went a little early, and I didn't have to pee. So <laughs> you can fill in whatever blanks you want on that. Uh, you'd probably be correct. Because that's it. what I did. <laughs> and uh, so she never let her dog go to the bathroom in my yard again after Good. that, though. I don't know if she knew I did that, but there was never a time where that ever came up. Uh, I think she saw you, too. And it it like could be, I mean, it was 3 a.m. or something, but possible. <laughs> um, so you and I met at the Kava Bars. Yeah, technically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I um, you know... Lived quite a few places, but I've always known about Kava because um, because of Muhammad, right? And you know, Muhammad and I go way back, and Us I just, yeah. So <laughs> audio technical, audio technical issue. Sorry. Yeah, that's, 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 hmm. yeah I, I that's what he said. Sorry, folks. This Sorry, is not, yeah. doesn't make good t right. good television. Yeah. <laughs> I go way back, and it, it, I just. How did that randomly happen? You just like pulled him out? Yeah, because I, I pulled him out to show the nipple video. Oh, okay. And I forgot to plug him back in. Um, but yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I totally forgot to uh, do what I was supposed to do there. Um, so yeah, we... Um, so yeah, Muhammad, Muhammad and I go way back as well. 
uh, as you know, he's one of the co-founders of this channel. No, oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember you were. I remember him telling us one day he's like, "Yeah, my buddy Axel's coming tonight." Yeah. And yeah, uh, Lota. Yeah. Yeah, Lota. I was so happy to to finally try it because I heard so much about it. And I read, you know, I'm I, I'm really neurotic when it comes to, like researching things. It's just my thing. So I knew so much about Kava, but I just I knew it was like a St. Pete thing. So living in Tennessee or Indiana or you know I've lived everywhere. So I finally moved here. I was excited to try it. Now, the first time I think when I met you the first time I didn't wasn't, I, I liked it, but I wasn't crazy about it. That that makes sense. That's yeah. kind of how that one goes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was on a Saturday where you just drink like a shit ton and, and you keep drinking it. Um, but you know, I was like, I'll do this once in a while. I did. So it was like, you know, one Saturday, every couple months I'd go to low tech. So you can't make, I, I was a drinker, right? But, you know, I never drink and drive, but you know, I, I would just drink at home a lot and like at night before bed. And so, um, it was right around Thanksgiving and it, with my job, I have to, you know, during hurricane season, especially I had to be kind of mindful of, of being able to drive very quickly in the middle of the night. And so, um, you know, I, I started, I was like, I, maybe I'll switch to Kava. And I was just, yeah, I was so sick of drinking alcohol, but, um, and I drank it. I had a lot of fun. I was at Muddy Water at that time in St. Pete. And, um, I just, I was like, you know what, this is stupid. Like, why would I keep drinking? And I was like, like drinking alcohol is stupid. It's right, just, right. I hated the way you felt afterwards. You're just constantly taking these risks. Uh, you know, it's just stupid. And so I just stopped drinking alcohol, believe it or not. And then I went on, and that was, you know, Thanksgiving. And then come February, I was on vacation. And I drank a couple times, but like, I just, I didn't get drunk. I'm like, this is just feels like shit. I don't mm -hmm. like it. When you drink, that's the thing about kava is when you drink it for a while and you get used to it and you, you know, you enjoy it and you know how it affects you to go back to alcohol. It's like, wow, this is kind of the same thing as kava. You just feel shittier and you can't control yourself and you can't drive. So, right. um, yeah, so I, then I've been drinking kava since then. I think it's definitely been a lifesaver for me. Oh yeah, me um, too. Me too. Like, uh, anyways, <laughs> what's funny is so I started drinking kava uh, back. It's gonna be five years in exactly one month. I started yes. drinking kava, um, and uh, I uh, I was working on a con a congressional campaign for uh, Lucas Overby. He was running as a libertarian. Uh, and he was running against David Jolly. And we, he always had his uh, campaign meetings at a Kava bar. Was it his or was that? Because I followed Lucas when he started running. How long ago was that? Five years ago, right? That was 14. <laughs> yeah. So he always had this at, at Muddy, not Muddy, uh, Mad Hatter's. Mad right? Hatter's, yeah. Because yeah. he'd always check in at Mad Hatter's. Right. So I'm like, that's how I first learned about it. Yeah. So he I've was... been drinking it in spirit since then. Right. So yeah, we, we were having these meetings there and... I could drink the Kratom because I was still drinking heavily. Okay. And one day he and I were having a uh, Sarah Andreg feels the need to find a San Diego Kava bar. It's called Kava Collective. Um, yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're I, awesome. met, I met the owner there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is their sticker. Uh, if you go there, uh, if you go there, tell them Matt Wright sent you and um, you'll get free kava the rest of your life. Possibly. I'm not going to guarantee <laughs> that though. Say that you learned about it on this show and uh, you might get a discount. And, um, <laughs> and so we were, we were hanging out there and he was talking to me and I was a little hungover that night. And he was like, when was the last day you weren't hungover? And I was like, I don't know, man. Uh, and he was like, well, when was the last time you went without drinking? And I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> he was like, when was the last time you went without um, blacking out? And I was like, 
listen, Lucas, this is, I'm doing my job for your campaign. And he was like, yeah, I bet you can't go a month without drinking. And I was like, all right, I'll take that bet right now. And he was like, okay. And he was like, if you, if you do it, if when I win, which he didn't, but when I win, uh, you can come up to DC and be on my campaign staff. I was like, great. And he goes, and I'll never bring it up again. And you can go back to drinking. And I was like, great. Because that was exactly what my plan was. Mm-hmm. And so I started hanging out at uh, Low Tide and Mad Hatter's. And it was the worst month of my life. Like what, Switching to Kava? Switching to Kava. Really? Okay. Like, I, I went through, like, serious withdrawals. Oh, like, okay, I was yeah. waking up in the middle of the night, night sweats, like, oh, DTs. Oh, yeah, yeah. DTs, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was awful. I woke up every day feeling worse than when I was drinking. Mm-hmm. And like I got wicked restless leg syndrome just randomly. Yeah, yeah. And after the first thirty days, I was like kind of feeling better, but I wasn't feeling great. And I was like, I don't ever want to go through this again, so I may as well just stick with it. Yeah. And September seventh will be five years since that day. I, wow. Yeah, I, way longer than me. I I actually I was pretty bad. Like I don't. This isn't really about like me personally, but um, I I was hardcore alcoholic for a long time. I actually ended up checking myself into rehab, like inpatient rehab. And I, I, I do uh, open my comedy sometimes. It's one of the things I talk about. But we, I, I went in Gary, Indiana for a month. Okay. So you're, um, I don't know people in Florida or anywhere, wherever you guys are, know about Gary, Indiana. But um, basically you're locked away for, you do it yourself. You lock yourself into it. It's a quasi-hospital treatment facility. And so I was there a month. And then, you, you know, doing doing the, the sober life and, you know, going to AA meetings and all that, I, I think it serves a purpose and it's, it, it helped me at times, but your life revolves around sobriety. Your life revolves around AA, around avoiding alcohol, around the, that stuff. And it's just like, after a year of that, it's like, this is tiring. I wanted to drink to get away from the sober lifestyle. And so I didn't start drinking again a lot. And then now, you know, again, it's been since Thanksgiving and... I don't, I'm not like, oh, I'm Axel, I'm sober. I just, I just don't want to drink. And right. I know we're like, we're <laughs> talking about Kava a lot, but hey, it's what it's for, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it is the muddied waters. It is the muddied waters. That's where we got the name. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't ever, I don't go around and say, yeah, I'm mad. I'm sober. You know, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. If somebody's like, hey, let's go out and grab some beers. I say, I can't. Yeah. And when they're like, oh, why not? I'm like, because I'm a wicked alcoholic. And yeah. if I start drinking again, to, you know. Yeah, you're going down that, that, right. that rabbit hole. And yeah, then I, everybody uh, starts apologizing. I'm like, you didn't know. It's fine. <laughs> like, I don't care. Trust me. This isn't triggering this, for the, me. So here's the thing. When you, especially like me, so when I went to rehab, it was very, I was very open about it with my friends. This yeah. was a, a few years ago. Right, right. And so I would go and people, like, I'd go to my friend's house and there'd be like a beer and then they would get so like... I am so sorry. Like they'd hide it or they, you know, somewhere they put it in like a, like a, like a McDonald's cup or something. I'm like, it's all right. Like I, I don't want to be at a it's, bar and I don't want to be around a bunch of drunk people, but you can, it's okay to drink around me. I'm not going to be offended by it, but right. you, that's another thing people don't realize when you're sober that other people get really weird about it. That is. Yeah. That's one thing that people are like, uh, I went to go visit a buddy of mine once and he was like, do you, uh, do you know who John Mulaney, the comedian is? Yeah. Yeah. He's got that bit cause he's sober and he's like, when you go to a party, people are always so weird to you about it. And yeah. I'm like, I've got a turn up. Is that going to be good for you? <laughs> That's exactly yeah, what it is. Yeah. Like I went to my buddy's house and he's like, he's like, oh yeah, you don't. Tr- 
got one of my kids' juice boxes. I was like, is that too much like a cocktail to you? I don't want to trigger anything. I don't want anything. to trigger anything. I was like, man, I'm good with water. Just give yeah. me a water. Do so you have club soda? I'll drink that. What's for dinner? That's what I care about. Right. I just want to know what we're eating. Yeah. And now I want to leave. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I don't go, like, I'm not the guy that's going to go around and say, yeah, I'm an alcoholic and you shouldn't drink around me. No, I'll go and hang out with you at a bar. I don't want to, but mm. I will. I, yeah. I think, I honestly believe I have a Bud Light in my fridge that's been there for five years. I have a bottle of vodka in my kitchen that's been there for a long time. Yeah. It's the, it, it, One of my main, and we might talk about it if we get into the, how I became, but uh, how I became libertarian, but Doug Stanhope. When he he does he quits smoking for a while and he says the best the best way to do it is to have it available, and I think it's true because it's like if you have that stuff, smoking whatever your vice is and you're trying to quit if you have it available, you just know like okay I go then get it I can go then drink it I can go smoke that I can go whatever having it available is a big turn whereas if it's not available your mind starts planning it out you start thinking about okay I gotta go here I gotta go to the store and then I'm gonna go get it and all that so it's 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 um, you know, it's it's true. I'm sorry that I've had a bottle of vodka in my kitchen and I haven't touched it. Yeah. No, I've had that beer. Like, I didn't even know it was there for a long time. And then one day I was cleaning out some stuff and there was a beer sitting there and I stared at it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should probably get rid of that. And then I was like, but I also don't know how long it's been here. So <laughs> I'm just going to leave it because it's kind of like a trophy at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so uh, let's get into how you became a libertarian. Because we talked about it a little bit briefly before the show, um, and Doug, you said Doug Stanhope actually yeah, yeah, had yeah. A, a little bit to do with it. Yeah. Um, so I was really into the the show Penn Teller's bullshit. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, that's not heavily in politics, believe it or not. It's more just like common sense stuff, like gun control and all that. My my, my favorite Penn and Teller's bullshit was the one where they did the uh, the water sommelier. Oh yeah, yeah. That was, that's that was a later one, I believe. Yeah. yeah, that one was so good. Yeah, the my favorite ones they did on recycling. Uh, mm. It's fantastic. But so I like that. It's kind of getting to it. My friend at the time was libertarian. He's a real socialist now, which is unfortunate. But um, and so I was watching that, you know. But I used to be a big socialist, like big liberal, you name it. Um, started watching that. I was getting into it. I moved to Chicago. So I lived in Chicago briefly, and I used to be super like gun control, take them all. Um, and then you go there and, and, and it wasn't, it was legitimate. I didn't go there like open-minded. I went to Chicago. Like I love, there's no guns here because at the time their guns were completely banned in Chicago, but it had the highest gun violence rate in the country. I'm sure it still does. And I'm like, well, this, this shit's not making sense. Like this doesn't add up. Like how do you have, how 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 could there possibly be guns here? Yeah. And then you hear all like the arguments for and against it. It doesn't make any sense. So I I started, then I was like a really pro-gun socialist. Right. Um, and then listening to Doug Stanhope's, you know, podcasts and routines and all that got me into it. Uh, I went to college in, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, uh, joined the Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, and just kind of went from there started getting involved with Students for Liberty. And, and my all-time favorite out there, and you and I have talked about it, is Foundation for Economic Education. Yes. Um, did a lot of the, their conferences in the summer. We did one in Prescott, Arizona. We did two of them in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, just life-changing. And I, it was funny because, um... I went to, you know, I was involved in Yale and all that. I liked the social stuff, but the economics part of it just bored the hell out of me. I'm like, I don't care about numbers and markets and graphs and all that. And they said, well, you know, come out to, there's a, a, a conference in Arizona, be fun, um, learn something about it. So, you know, I'll go to her and I'll, tr- I'll give it a try. I'll give this economics thing a try. And then two, three days later, and this, you know, we were at, at Embry-Riddle um, Aeronautical University out, out there in, in Prescott. And 
it was a blast. I was just so into economics. And I left it like, oh my God, I love this. And so I became really way more on the economic side of, of, of the, you know, the, the spectrum. So, um, yeah, I love it. I, uh, yeah, I, I think that the Chicago ones always kind of was, I always took it as a tipping point when I moved there. It's yeah. like that, that is anti-gun. I just, that, that is heaven. If you hate guns and you know, you're in the, in the socialism <laughs> and you go there and it's just, it's hell. And I, I like the city of Chicago a lot. I, the city of Chicago is one of my favorite cities. Absolutely. I've ever been but to. living there is a different story, I bet. you know? So, yeah. So you and I lived in Nashville during the same period of time, mm-hmm. which is funny because I was moving to Chicago when I ended up in Nashville. Right. Um, <laughs> it was by pure accident. I ended up in Nashville, but, um, like we probably crossed paths. Oh, like absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, we were. There is a hundred percent chance that we were either at Santa's Pub at the same time. <laughs> Santa's Pub, definitely. Yeah, Santa's Pub, definitely, or uh, Mafiosos. Mm-hmm. One of those two places. We were definitely at at the exact same time. Had to have been. There's no way around it. Um, just because of the frequency of which I was at. We were both at Santa's Pub, and I was at Mafiosos. Mm-hmm. It had. It just had to happen. Yeah. But uh, so you moved down there and then you became you joined the Libertarian Party when you got to Nashville or no. So my when I first uh, Mur- sorry, yeah, Murphy, Murphy's Murfreesboro. Yeah. So I, I first moved to Nashville. My job forced me to move there. Um, I was working for a department store in loss prevention. Uh, so I was a de- store detective and um, I moved down there against my will. Uh, I ended up moving around and then uh, God, I, I've lived in a bunch of cities. And then I went back to Murfreesboro to go to Middle Tennessee State. And that's when I started getting politics and stuff. And then okay. I was going to Nashville. Then I was really involved. In, that's when I started getting That's why I would have ran into you at, like, you know, Mavioza's or any of the Libertarian, Liberty on the Rocks. Right. And the, same spot. The, the, the Lord of the Rings Club. Liberty <laughs> on the Rocks. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then you became the comms director. Uh, and was there, you said that you did uh, some, did you, was it YAL or CFL, campus? Uh, campus. At Middle Tennessee? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was the president of the Young Americans for Liberty group out there. Okay. Um, and it was, it existed obviously before this how That's what really pulled me in. Like I knew I had all these ideas. That's what really pulled me into going into politics was Young Americans for Liberty. Um, made a great chapter there. The, our, our faculty advisor was a former president of the federal reserve. Oh wow. His name's Dr. William Ford. Great guy. He's super free market guy. Uh, president of the, of the Federal Reserve in Atlanta and is just major free market guy. He's, he's incredible. So we had a good story. We had great, uh, we had definitely one of the highest um, attendance, highest um, what should, what should say, membership in, in, in all of Yale. Um, from there, I went to uh, an internship at Leadership Institute in Arlington, Virginia, just outside of D.C., um, I know it well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that place real well. Yeah, it's. Uh, I had a good good time. I was in the studio there, so I did all the uh, visual stuff. I didn't do anything political. It was all just like photography, videography, live broadcast, things like that. Right. Um, and then I got kind of. That's when I got started getting disillusioned uh, with politics. I'm like, yeah, that's when I got to start taking a step back. Um, and and I'm kind of getting back into it though. Right. Um, so you've been working. For, how long have you been working with the National Motorist Association? So I've been uh, associated with them as an activist uh, since 2013. Okay. And what is their main? What is their main thing? Uh, their main goal? What sure. Are, what are they aiming for? Yeah. So it's basically just it, it's freedom for for motorists. It, it's it's scaling back against um, you know these these laws and these regulations and and and. Uh, the kind of bureaucracy around traveling and driving. Okay. As crazy as it sounds, there's a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's, 
this this organization is founded in the 80s um they take very specific policy to different positions like red light cameras uh roadblocks um, speed limits uh automated traffic enforcement like for speed and, and like cameras we've already mentioned would it seat belts fall under their seat belts fall under that it, it's basically <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> Same with that, you know, with speed with seat belts, rather it's, it's encouraged to use seat belts, and, and the organization encourages that. But the the issue around seatbelt enforcement, where you know now it's a it's a pre crime, and you know it's a, it's it's a pre crime to to not wear your seat belts. They can pull you over for that, right? And give you money and, and take money from you for doing that, right? Um, be better if they gave me money for it. Yeah, I know they should. I always tell people like you know that uh, when you have like red light cameras. I was like, we should just get rid of the red light cameras and have green light cameras. So if you know, if, if you like stop at a red light, they can then give you money if you actually stop. But right. I haven't thought that idea through all the way. Um, so I know that uh, red light cameras and road like I know that red light cameras and roadblocks have been massively contested, mm-hmm. massively contested across across the country. Uh, now here in Florida, when I first moved here, I thought that red light cameras were. Bi- they got rid of them, but apparently I found out recently that they didn't. They didn't. Uh, yeah, it's been it, so it goes back and forth. At least in the state of Florida, um, there's always these kind of different challenges in the court. I think the most recent one, I believe, was in Homestead, Florida, where they um, the the way it was set up was the 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 contractor that ran the red light camera contract. So in other words, let's let's go back up a little bit. So you quote unquote run a red light. That image. The video of you running the red light, allegedly, the, the picture of your license plate is sent to another company. Most of the time, it's uh, Red Flex or Automated Traffic Solutions uh, based in Arizona. Both of them are. Um, they're actually headquartered in, in Australia. Um, a, a private contractor will review that, say, yes, this person ran a red light. They then use, they look through the BMV records, get your information, and they send it to a police officer back in Florida. The police officer just says, okay, 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 okay sends the citation out, a quote-unquote citation out to you, and you pay it or you don't pay it. Um, but like I said, they're contested everywhere. Anytime, anywhere in the country where, where red light cameras have been on the ballot have been soundly defeated. It has never, ever been approved by voters. They People hate them for a number of reasons, but I think people, even if you don't know a lot about them, you kind of know they're, they're BS and that they're, right. they don't do anything. And the, the, the central to that is... A vast majority, nearly every ticket from a red light camera are split second violations. These are when you have what's called an all phase red, so every direction has a red light or they overlap slightly. That's when most of those get. These are you just barely ran the red light or you made the decision based on traffic around you, traffic behind you, weather conditions, whatever. You made the decision, okay, well, I can kind of make this yellow light, I got to gun it, and it's like that split that, second that, that you gun split. it. And that's what triggers it, that's what they make the most money. If you added to those cameras, if you added a one, two, three second delay where the light can be read for one or two, three seconds and no citations are issued and you get it to after that, they'll all get shut down overnight. Every single one gets shut down. That's where they make their money. They don't make money from these random, you know, several seconds after the light turned red. And those people that are doing that aren't doing it because they are scared of a $50 ticket. They're drunk. They have something else going on while they're doing it. They're not deterred by that. Right, right. No, that makes sense. I, I... I am definitely the I can make this yellow driver, yeah. which I don't often. Right, right. Uh, but the only time that I blew through a red light, it wasn't because I was mentally there. Right. Yeah. 
it, it was for multi, a multitude of other reasons, probably alcohol. Well, and, and that's the thing, too, is, is we always mention that when, um, you know, now we have those cameras. Now people have cameras there and a police officer is on the corner and he sees you. You're drunk as hell. You blow through a red light. He sees that flash from the camera. As far as the police officer knows, okay, well, he got his ticket. He's good. He doesn't have any reason to stop you. That's fair. And so now you have people that, that should be stopped um, are now getting away and driving down the road. The cop thinks, oh, it's so good. He got a ticket. Who cares? They can't stop you. They have no discretion. They can't exercise. They can't look. And they must say, well, maybe he uh, just he gave me a good story. Maybe he ran the red light. He's sober. He just There's a big truck behind him. He's afraid to see him on his brakes. No ticket. You don't have that discretion. You can't look into things further than that. And that's a, a, another component to our opposition to red light cameras. Gotcha. So... When it shifting a little bit, um, get it shifting. Um, so shifting a little bit uh, when it comes to roadblocks, which where I grew up, I grew up in Northern Virginia. I grew up in a small town, Manassas, um, fair, just outside of Fairfax. Um, and I would go into Fairfax a bunch. I think we followed each other because, like, I lived in Arlington, and then we lived in Nashville, and now we're in yeah, <laughs> Pinellas County we're, yeah, in St. Pete. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, like, we're just following each other. Right, we're just kind of slow. Like, it was just destined for us to eventually <laughs> meet each other, and it just finally happened. Um, so we, uh, we would get roadblocks all the time. All the time. We got them so often... When I used them as an excuse for coming home late, my mom would always believe me. A hundred percent of the time. I was like, oh, I was coming back and got stuck at a uh, roadblock. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, they do them on 28, like every night now. And I'm like, I know, right? And I'm yeah. like, yeah. thank, God. <laughs> thank God you bought that. Um, but uh, like, even back then, I was like, back then I wasn't really doing anything wrong. I was just driving back from a friend's yeah. house or driving back from the movies or something. Uh, and I was completely sober. I was a good Christian boy back then. <laughs> and um, I, I, I would get pulled, you know, I would get stuck at one of these things and they'd pull me over. And I, yeah. that's when I got most of my seatbelt tickets. <laughs> and, uh, now, but the, that, that's, that's an important thing to, to, to note because I got to detour, detour you a little bit. That, that's what they're for. Let's just give any pretense that they're for getting drunk drivers off the road. That's not what they're for. They're for giving you equipment violations, seatbelt violations. Oh, I smell weed. Let me look in this car a little bit more. Okay, right. you're good. Um, they're for checking your ID. It's a fishing expedition. That's what they are. They can call it what they want. They can put faces of people that got killed in drunk driving accidents on the side of the highway all they want. In Tennessee, they started naming... They started naming sobriety checkpoints after people killed by drunk driving accidents. Did they really? They started naming them that, yeah. So that's the thing they started doing there. And and, and like I said, just get rid of any pretense that's what they're for. And here's why I can tell you that. The FBI did a study in Tennessee, of all places, um, that basically said, let's have a certain amount of police officers dedicated to a, a stationary roadblock. That's pulling every driver over, asking the questions and seeing if they're drunk and, and moving them on. Let's have that same amount of resources doing uh, more like aggressive patrols, which is something we actually see here in Pinellas County, like called wolf packs. Okay. Uh, which is more effective in getting drunk drivers off the road? Um, the ones that are out patrolling, in other words, they have probable cause to pull you over. They're not just out randomly pulling you over. They have to be out there looking hardcore for people, you know, weaving in and out of traffic, crossing the fog line, things like that. The, the money and the resources on those doing those patrols had a far greater impact on drunk driving. They got way more drunk drivers, whereas at a, at a checkpoint, you get very few. In fact, it's pretty common not to get one drunk driver out the road at a checkpoint. 
you might get one or two. Most of it is just, oh, I forgot my insurance card. My insurance card isn't in my dash, my uh, my glove box. Right. So you get a ticket for that, and you have to go to court and answer to that. You know, that, that's what they're for, and that's that's why they do it. And, there, and there's, you know, be honest with you, there's a certain theatric element to you, and you have, you know, 10 cops with all their lights on, and all these traffic cones and, and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty sickening and, and I'm pretty happy with how it's, you know, how it's done here because again, I, I'm not super thrilled about, you know, having extra cops out just looking for, you know, out fishing, but I, they at least respect that your, your constitutional rights. Right. They're not just stopping everybody to indiscriminately, right. Indiscriminately just to try to find a way into Mm -hmm. the car. And that's, that was the issue I had. Like when I was, you know, 17 or whatever, Mm -hmm. I was like, why is this? I, I was mainly upset that I was mi- going to miss curfew. Right. And I was like, why is it that I'm getting a hit here? Like, yeah, I got five minutes to get home, man. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> it's like 10 yeah. minutes from here. Yeah. You know, there was a big thing during Black Lives Matter where they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe these protesters are out blocking highways. You know, they're going protesting the street for 10 minutes. And like, well, you're they're protesting as the cops, but then the cops do the same exact thing exact same regularly. Thing. There's no difference. The only thing Black Lives Matter they hold a sign up, whereas the police have guns on them and dogs, and they're trying to get in trouble for right. victimless crimes. Black Lives Matter, uh, when they do it, they're going to make you late for work. When the police yeah. do it, and you're you, late for work, you're, yeah. and you might get yeah. shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, I know that uh, roadblocks have been challenged by the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Time and time again, and Supreme Court always says that yes, they're constitutional. Uh, the in certain cases, in certain cases. So okay. there are several states whose state Supreme Court don't allow it. Texas, I think, is the major one. In other words, their Supreme Court says no, roadblocks are not okay in the state because it goes against the constitutional right against you know unnecessary seizures and all other stuff. There's right. no, you're stopping people and in initiating you know law enforcement action with no probable cause. And so they, they don't know the law. That's why in Texas it is strictly forbidden. And several other states, I don't remember all of them, based on their interpretation of the U.S. Constitution. And so, yeah, it depends. There's, there's been different uh, court cases um, uh, in Michigan. I think it's kind of like the main one that they cite where, the, well, I don't know the name of it, but I, I do know for a fact that the one that's often cited as it makes them legal across the country is as long as it was with a deterrent. In other words, if the if the main objective of a DUI checkpoint is deterrence, they're legal. And so initially that was like they highly publicized them. They'd be all over the news, all over the radio, newspaper. They do all this stuff and say, hey, with this big checkpoint, everyone should know about it. There can be a big checkpoint on, you know, uh, US 40 somewhere. And, and now it's kind of scaled that back, back and back and back because they don't want people to know about it. Right. So it started to scale back. Now, they'll, on a technicality, they'll put it on Facebook. Like, oh, by the way, the Marion County Sheriff's Office will be doing a checkpoint on a, a 2 a.m. post. Because they fulfilled their obligations to make it a deterrent and notify the public. But they're hoping people know about it. And so there's that surprise, shock and awe when you, when you drive it down the street. Right. Um, one thing that Tennessee started doing, the, way off subject, but one thing Tennessee started doing, I don't know how long they've been doing it, is uh, they were posting the number of drunk driving deaths every year. Yeah. Like on the highways, on that the yeah those dynamic message boards. Cause I, I always remember when it was like at, this is really mean. When it was like at six sixty five, it's like oh man, this next one, and then it would go to six 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 as the highway fatalities, and it's like oh geez. So it's like I hope it doesn't rise from here, but six 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 not a good number. Right. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, it's a, it's a scary. It's a it's a way to scare people. Like, that's what it, I mean, it is, but at the same time, like it's also awful because. 
like I don't blame video games for anything, really. Right, right. But at the same time, when it gets into November, and it's like 2018's fatal mm-hmm. uh, highway fatalities, you know, 1,078, and you're at 997, mm-hmm. you're going. We may make it. <laughs> there we is may that, beat yeah. it. Like we could. There's that it. evil, evil, evil voice in the back of your head that says stuff like that. Right. And like, I, the last year I was living there, uh, the last full year that I lived there, uh, 2012. Uh, I mean, we beat it right at the end. And I remember having a moment where I was like, "We did it!" And I was like, "Oh man, what is wrong with That's me? Evil. <laughs> You're a terrible person." Well, yeah, no, we are. Everybody knows that already. Uh, no, but but yeah, I want to be clear though that that I either me nor the organization I'm representing in any way endorses drunk driving or running red lights or you know do anything stupid. We just think there should be there's there's some nuance there. We think the you know you know how long ago was the 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 blood alcohol content law? I mean it was point one or you know sorry yeah it was point one for a while. It was point one. It, so it started. Out, I know that, and I'm basing this strictly on Mad Men, but <laughs> uh, back in the '60s it was like point two. Yeah, which. Um, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it would have been when I got my DUI, <laughs> but, uh, if it was point two, so, uh, and then it went down to point one, and then they lowered it to point oh eight. and I read a couple of years ago, they were thinking about lowering it to point oh five. Yeah, it's going down to point oh five. That's, that's happening. I mean, that's, that's just something we all have to accept. It's going to go down to point oh five, and now it's like, now it's like, you know, a lot of states, I don't know about Florida, but if you're under 21 years old, if you have even like a trace amount of alcohol in your system, you're DUI. That's, uh, DC. A okay. city of D.C., okay. that's anybody. Yeah, okay. Anybody. Yeah. doesn't matter how old you are. If yeah. you blow anything. my uh, A friend of mine's dad had a glass of wine with dinner and was driving back home. He got pulled over, blew a .02, mm-hmm. got a DUI. Yeah, and, and that's the way it's going for every state. That's uh, you know, Of course, we have the federal government can withhold funds for road projects and all that. And, and that's the way, that's how it got down to .08. And that's gonna keep, it's going to go down to .05. It's going to keep going down and down. And it's your... You know, you want to encourage the same with speed limits. You, you want to encourage compliance. You want to encourage people to do the right thing. Right. But when you have, you know, like a, a speed limit that people you can drive safely 65, but it's set at 40, or you can drive perfectly fine at 0.09, uh, but now it's 0.08, and now you're, you're hardened criminal on the same level as someone that's just shit face. Right. You know, it, it, I, the, you know, we we say our position on that is 0.12 is generally the kind of where you're truly intoxicated. Um. I can, I can different for that. different people, but that's kind of kind of like the point where you reach intoxication where you're not safe to drive. Right, um, and so that's that's kind of the what what we've seen in the studies. But you know, it, it's 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 about the money. It's not about safety. And if you look at any, any position that the National Motor Association takes, whether position I take, it's it's just about the money. It's not about safety at all. So yeah, that's like when they were talking about when they first started talking about lowering it to point oh five. I said. This isn't about safety. This is fundraising. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is a hundred percent fundraising. That's all that it is. And uh, I think that uh, Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving was the one that was fighting for it. Yeah, and they're 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 just take the words of someone else. They're propaganda whores. I mean, they they are they're just propaganda whores. They what they say is is just it's BS, and they're fear mongers. Right. Um, anyone that you know, as we see with another famous organization that uses the motherhood, you know, maternal instinct to to advocate for a very socialist uh, pro-government fascist agenda 
I don't fall for it. And, I, you know, people don't fall for it for moms against, you know, moms demand action or whatever. And, and they shouldn't fall for for moms against drunk driving. Right. Now, I don't doubt that there's people, you know, mothers, even people in these organizations that truly feel they're doing the right thing. I don't fault them for that. I don't think they're bad people. But what what they do, what they advocate for, it, it goes against, you know, it, it does the opposite of what they want to happen, I think. Right. So uh, speed limits, uh, you kind of touched on it really quickly. Uh, I know that I know that uh, you, on highways, I just don't believe in them. Like, they don't exist, uh. really, to me. Um, they do to right. the police that pull behind me. Right. Um, and to the cops that are around me. But, um, so, where do you guys stand on speed limits? So, we are stand, it actually follows, in fact, a lot of our positions follow this, is there's something called the uh, Uniform Traffic Code, which is kind of like the, the policy manual for all traffic engineers, you know, people that build roadways and, and traffic controls follow this. What it should be is at the 85th percentile of, of the prevailing speed. So this is about the 85th, the 85th percentile of free-flowing traffic. So if you're driving, you know, if you can safely drive down a highway, there's no obstructions, it's flat, there's not like cross traffic, you can go there safely. 65. People go, will go 65. And so we'd go at the 85th percentile of that speed is what the speed limit should be. Um, you know, the, there's, just to give you a quick story about the speed limits, uh, the New York Thruway, uh, there was a study conducted in the New York Thruway. Um, the speed limit was 55, the average speed was 68 miles per hour. And so they wanted to, you know, someone in government said we should raise this to 65 because people are going 68 anyway. Overwhelmingly, the, the, the response to that was now people are going to go, start going 78. Right. And so, you know, it was just fear mongering left and right. So they raised it from 55 to 68 and they studied it for 18 months. I'm sorry, 55 to 65. I was like, man, they made yeah, it 68. That's exactly 68. A, that's, that's an odd. <laughs> Not that, yeah. That's an odd one. Yeah, so they, they raised it to 65, and they studied it for 18 months. The average speed remained at 68. So setting speed limits where they should be and not just artificially low so they can get pulled pull people over indiscriminately and take money from them. Uh, when they're, we're at where people drive safely, people do drive safely, and that's, a, that's another misconception. You know, if you're driving through a school zone or something, you see little kids on the side of the road, you're not going to go through, you're not, you don't care what the speed limit is. You're going to drive what you feel is safely, your reaction time, weather conditions, things like that. Will people ignore that and fly through a school zone every now and then? Of course yes. they will. Will they do it now? Yes. They do it with cops on the side of the road. They still do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, a lot of it is fear mongering, but, but we definitely think it should be set as 85th percentile, which is what, what the engineering, what the engineer said you should be set at. <laughs> Right. Um, so I know, like, here in Florida, the speed limits actually aren't terrible. Not at all, no. No, they they really aren't. Like, it's 40 on most streets that aren't residential. 40, 45, yeah. yeah and then, it's like 30, yeah, I live on a residential street, it's 45, so. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and I also think that they're, they're at least when, in Florida, the, the law enforcement here seems to be pretty hands-off, generally, right. about traffic, anyway. Um, I, I drive all over Tampa Bay, all over the state of Florida, really. They're sticklers for parking, though. Parking, yes, and on the tollways, they're pretty strict. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I've, I, I, I don't think, but good things to say about the cops here. <laughs> just really like my, you know, but I, I think, and overwhelmingly too, if you, look, you know, going back to red light cameras, uh, and tra- and roadblocks, your, your, just your rank and file patrol guys absolutely hate them. I've never, again, I've been doing this since 2013. I've never met a police officer, uh, just a rank and file kind of guy, that likes the cameras or likes roadblocks. Right. Now, and that's not to say they'll they'll do it as overtime, but they don't really 
they don't look that far into it, but they don't like them. They're just like, okay, well, I have to do it, or it's over time, I get bills to pay. I get that. But but overwhelmingly, that's not the, the police aren't supportive of that. Right. Um, so if somebody were to get a red light ticket, is there do, do you guys have directions on how to yeah, so we, fight it? Yeah, so we have, if you want to become a member, and I, again, I don't work for them, I don't take any money from, from this association, but uh, membership's super cheap, it's like 10 or 15 bucks. And they have a, it's like a 200 page document on how to fight tickets. That's every ticket. Um, and I, I've been through it. It's, it's a big book that you download for free when you become a member. And it has really good advice on speeding, how to fight speeding tickets yourself and all that. It's actually really good. Uh, specific to Road That Camera, it's really funny. Um, so, and let's, let's go to Tennessee, for instance. In Tennessee, if you get a, any speeding, a speeding camera ticket, a red light ticket, um, it gets sent to you as a fifty dollar ticket. Right. If you don't pay it after sixty days, it becomes like a hundred, hundred twenty five. Right. In Tennessee, if you don't pay a kit, a, a road light camera ticket, absolutely nothing happens to you. It's codified in, in, in the state code, so it's it's Tennessee Code's annotated fifty five eight one ninety eight subsection M, specifically says non payment of a red light camera ticket has no bearing. It cannot affect your credit report. It can't go on your license. It can't be reported. Nothing happens. So if you don't pay it in Tennessee, absolutely nothing happens. They'll they'll keep asking you for money, and then when the red light camera company doesn't get payment, they'll send it to these other scammy organizations that look like a law firm. So you are obligated to pay this. So I it was funny when when I first started, you know, in 2013 when I first started getting public with this, I'd be on the news and, and radio stations and stuff, and they'd say that's not really true. I say it absolutely is. Look it up. They'd look it up. And I'm like, well, I think there's more to that. And so finally, I was like, oh, let's put it into this. So I went to a city council meeting, and I said something to it. And the city council member were like, oh, that's, they read it. They're like, oh, that's interesting. And then they asked the police chief and the city attorney. They said, you know, we're reading 558198 subsection M, and it specifically says that you don't pay, nothing happens. And they're like, yeah, technically nothing we can do, but you should still pay it. It's the right thing to do. And then the city attorney was like, yeah, nothing happens if you don't pay it. Like, we're not allowed to do anything. Just rip it up and throw it away. But we still think you should pay. Like, just give us money. Just give, us, yeah, just, just give the money. Just give the government your hard-earned money. But right. that's what happened. And so in, in Florida, um, what happens in Florida is a little bit different. Uh, it's unfortunate. But, you, you know, you get a – it's basically a non-moving kind of infraction. Uh, if you don't pay it, then the, the red light camera company will then ask the circuit court to write you a uniform traffic citation. Okay. And then you then have to then fight that in court. Yeah, um, I, 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 I was like, man, if I ever get one, I'm not paying it now. Well, in Tennessee, you don't pay it, but right. in Florida, you do have to address it. But like I said, you first of all, they don't know who was driving. How how can a police officer sign a uniform traffic citation and give it to somebody not knowing if they were actually driving or not? Right. You're, you're signing the owner of the vehicle, not the driver. And when they go on the news and all that, and they say, oh, you know, we, we've given so many of these drivers, like, you don't know who of any of those people were running red lights. You just gave it to the owner of the vehicle. And they say, well, the, the owner of the vehicle can, can sign an affidavit saying who was driving. So now then, if, if, if a mechanic or someone driving my car runs a red light, and I wasn't driving it, and then I'm then obligated to essentially write a ticket to a friend or someone that's working on my car and to give them a ticket when I don't even know if it was they were the one driving. And it just becomes this whole ridiculous web of, of making accusations against other people. It's like, it doesn't work that way. If, if the police officer, you know... Um, the police officer sees you do it fine, but but just giving tickets that happens to be the owner of the vehicle, it's it's it makes a mockery of the of the system, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, Stephen Ruth. Yeah. Stephen Ruth, uh, red light Robin Hood, uh, uh, Long Island. Yep. Yep. Up in yeah, up in New York. Look up his videos on YouTube. He's great. 
Yeah. He, uh, I, I don't, it's been a long time, but yeah, he, he's, uh, he's definitely not someone I would, I'm not that ballsy, but he, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that he was going around and, uh, and I'm guessing that it's New York. So the, the red light laws are probably much worse than yeah. almost anywhere else. Yeah. In California, it's like three to $500. Yeah. That's not surprising yeah. even yeah. a little bit. But he was going around and he was uh, taking like a long pole or something and just yeah, pushing. Painter's the, pole, yeah. Yeah, and then push, <laughs> yeah. pushing. I don't advocate that, and neither does the NMA, but it's hilarious. But it's funny. And yeah. he was just pushing it up. And uh, I know he did an interview with some station. but He that, did it in front of a news crew. Yeah, he, had, he called a news crew to the intersection and said, you know, said, Here's, you know these are stupid. This is how stupid I think they are. And the reporter's like, did that just happen? Did you just do that? And he's like, yeah. So, but they did—they didn't air it, right? I don't know. It's on YouTube, but I don't know. I would assume it, no, it got aired because it, that was a part of the story. It definitely okay. got aired. I mean, he's done it several times, but... right? Yeah, no. Well, so I know that's one. Like, I think one of the times the the uh, the internet service provider that did the internet to the red light mm-hmm. cameras was the same one that owned the news the news station, <laughs> yeah. and they said you're not airing that. Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah, it, that doesn't surprise me. Just like uh, if you look at who owns these these uh, photo enforcement contractors, it ends up going to like some kind of investment company like Berkshire Hathaway or I'm sorry, Berkshire Hathaway that own insurance companies. Right. And so that leads me to another point where uh, I, often whenever I do this, do these interviews about red light cameras, uh, reporters will always come to me and say, well, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety says that they do this great job and they just reduce accidents. They work for the insurance company. Are you really that dense? Right. When you get a red light camera ticket, it raises your rates, and they make money from it. They do not represent safety of the motorists. They represent the insurance companies that pay them. And again, I'm not trying to sound like conspiracy theory. It's literally insurance is in the title of this organization, okay? They work for the insurance companies. Any argument they put out, any study that they put out, has to be known that it's viewed through the lens of their work for the insurance companies. And they are looking out for the bottom line of, of their, their clients, basically. Um, so yeah, I, hi people. I, I, I've never, this is my first time on a podcast. Yeah. Honest, I guess we're obligated to say hi to people. I mean, uh, Max, Jacob, Maria, Sarah says, thanks for reminding me to pay a parking ticket for the meter ending five minutes before I got to it. Yeah. I hate parking tickets so much. Um, and I, I've always lived downtown because I live in downtown Clearwater now. So I'm, I'm always sub, uh, subjected to that. And uh, it is what it is, but let me, I, really, so I mentioned Clearwater. Um, I want to real quick, just. Something that I'm working on right now, the in the city of Clearwater, the red light camera contract is coming up for renewal next week. Okay. And so as part of that, I've done an enormous, enormous amount of open records requests, um, looking at emails, looking at the reports, looking at stats, looking at traffic counts, uh, at great personal expense to me. Um, you know, time like, and money, but, and this isn't your full-time job. So this is what you're it's doing. It's not my when, full-time job. This is what you're this doing when you're off of work. When I'm off work okay. and I, my full-time job is very full-time, but, um, I, I, it's done a lot of work. And so, um, let me real quick paint a picture for those in the city of Clearwater. There's two intersections that are controlled by red light cameras. There's only two? two only two intersections. They're pretty big ones. It's, uh, again, sorry if you're not in Pinellas County at home, it's, it's Belcher and Gulf of Bay. And then Chestnut and Fort Harrison as you come off the, the, the causeway from right. Clearwater Beach. Yeah, yeah. Um, so real quick. So in 2012, when the cameras were installed in the city of Clearwater, in 2012, there were at least two intersections. There were 92 crashes in 2012. In 2017, it went up to 141 crashes. 
accidents at these intersections. So let's keep in mind, they install the road light camera so they want accidents to go down, they want red light running to go down. Right. That's the two, you can make a gazillion arguments about red light cameras. Believe me, I can talk about it all day. <laughs> but what it comes down to is some of the two issues, which is it reduces red light, they want it to reduce red light running, they want it to reduce accidents. So we look at the accidents, that's 92 crashes in 2012, all the way up to 141 crashes in 2017. Uh, the argument to that, what Chief Slaughter says, is, well, uh, traffic counts have gone way up because their economy's gotten better, and, and traffic count, traffic goes up, the accidents go up. The volume didn't increase. We're looking at City of Clearwater traffic stats, and we're looking at Forward Pinellas traffic stats. Forward Pinellas is the Metropolitan Planning Organization. It's an official county. It's an arm of the county government. They do they do traffic counts every year. Traffic volume stayed the same. Accidents went way up. Traffic volume stayed the same. So that's not an argument. They are the fact of the matter is you cannot spin it. Accidents to these intersections have gotten infinitely more dangerous. So let's take that out of the equation. Let's look at how many red light runners. We can count that because we know how many tickets are given out at these intersections. So 2013, which is the first full year that these cameras were in operation in the city of Clearwater, they issued 8,275 tickets to red light runners. In 2018, they issued 17,691 tickets. So red light running, let me put this in perspective. From the time they were installed, the first full year of operation until 2018, doubled. Red light running has doubled after the installation of these cameras. Now look at that and, and, and tell me that, that, that this is a good idea. And so, of course... I mean, for, so for the city, it is. Like for, they make a, a lot of money. Yeah, they're, they're making a ton of money. A lot of money. And, you know, look at accidents have gone way up. Road light running has doubled since these cameras were installed. And I can back all this up with, with data, okay? This is actually, the, the tickets come from Redflex, which is the city's red light camera company provider. Every month they send you how many tickets were given out, so you had to add them all up. Way too much time I spent on that, but it, it's <laughs> worth it because I got good info that no, right. I guarantee you nobody else looks at this, right. including the police. Guaranteed. Um, but I can show them the report. So I... Um, you know, I happened to, I called the, the chief slaughter, uh, the Clearwater police chief. He's actually a great guy. I, I like him a lot. The Clearwater police officers are great people. Um, and I said, hey, I'm just, just curious, you know, are you that's guys. A, that's probably the first time that's ever been said on this show. Usually not what people are saying about the police yeah, when they I, come on here. I've changed a little bit, but they're, they're, they're great people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, I asked the, the, the chief of police, I said, hey, you know, I live in Clearwater. I'm just, you know, I see the red light camera company, the contract's coming back for renewal. What do you think about it? His first question was, why well, are you trying to sell more of them? He had no idea who I was. So I said, no, I'm, no, I'm just asking a question. He goes, yeah, it's definitely going to be, we're going to renew it in August. We're going to put it for, we're going to give it to city council to be renewed in August. Right. Um, and so I said, okay, well, what is a good, what does a good successful program look like to you? And he didn't really give me a straight answer. And I said, okay, well, you know, and I'm not going to give him everything I just told you guys. That's not going to be told to anyone until the city council meeting. When, right. when this contract comes up, all this information can be dropped out there. And they, they can't spin it because that's what they do is they try to spin it. They, they fly in people to spin the data. But, you know, I, I said, what does a successful program look like to you? And he didn't, didn't give me an answer. And I said, well, you know, their, their accidents have gone way up and red light running has gone way up at these intersections. And he kind of said, well, you know, my thing is, is if they are, you know, if you're running, if you're running a red light, you should get a ticket. That's all I got to say about that. I said, okay. And, and that's where it stands. So next, uh, actually it'll be, yeah. Uh, today's Thursday. Today is Thursday. Yes. Yeah. All day. So yeah, next, uh, this coming Wednesday is the city council meeting. 
uh, and there's the the city of Clearwater is very open and transparent. They actually allow you to go speak not only at the beginning, but they allow you to speak after. So if there's like an agenda item, right. and then they'll say, "Well, we want to pass an ordinance or you know something to do this," they actually give citizens a point at, at the chance to speak after the city presents their case, which is every city should do that, in my opinion. So the city's gonna go give their case. They're gonna plead. They're gonna give their BS. Then I'm gonna give my information to them for three minutes, and then they vote on it. And so I'm really hoping, um, I, I'm really hoping, because this is a, a multi-million dollar program. And oh, I don't easily. think they're going to, what's that? How, how, much, I don't, how much is a red light ticket here? I, I don't know. I've never, believe it or not, I've never gotten a red light camera ticket. Uh, so everyone <laughs> tells another, every reporter is like, oh, you're just supposed to be mad that you get tickets. Well, I've never gotten a ticket. But um, I, I believe they're 125-ish, maybe a little bit less. 125, so at 17,000, 17, we'll round that Yeah. One. Well, and then, yeah, it, yeah, it's it, it gets really convoluted because the the can't the company that runs these actually um, uh, actually get quite a bit of money from this because it costs a lot of money to do it. Right. But um, uh, yeah, it's 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 insane, and they're not they, they. Another thing too, the city, and this is true with with Tennessee, every city when you look at it, is the police chief sets the budget and they set how much money they think that these tickets are going to make for the city. They always say, every day they do it, say, we, the, these are going to reduce red light running. So if you say it's going to reduce red light running, you're effectively saying you're expecting revenue to go down at these intersections with these cameras every year. It never happens. The city of Clearwater budgets $500,000 every year as revenue to the city. Not total. This is revenue to the city of Clearwater, $500,000 every single year. So they go to the city council and say, and, and the citizens say, we, these will reduce red light running. Uh, Mayor and city council, these will reduce red light running. And then they go write their budget and they put on here, uh, you know, it'll say the same or get more. So it's, it's double phased. You know, it, it's it's mind boggling how that works. But it, and, it, you know, you wouldn't think that a uh, government program <laughs> would do the exact opposite. I know. It's reduce whatever it is that they're trying to do. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> I know. I know. We're, catch, we're, catch your breath, folks. But it's it's, it's a, all about it's the money. a war on people running red lights. Oh, look, more people do it. <laughs> um, so. um that is just about all the time we have, actually. Uh, do man, I have to ask. You said you do stand up. Do you do, you do stand up open mics? Uh, so it's. I'll, I know we're out of time, but I'll give. No, a I mean we we can go over. It's a podcast. There's no limit. <laughs> well, we don't get cut off for <laughs> network programming. Right. Yeah. Um, we don't have a commercial break. I have to go to. Yeah. It was funny. We so I I've been a huge stand up comedy fan my whole life. And um, this time last year, um, they did an open mic in, in downtown St. Petersburg. Actually, I used to live there right a block away from it. It's called Iberian Rooster. Oh, yeah. And they do open mics, I believe, on Wednesday nights. And so I've been there to see it, and I've always had this idea to do open mic. And so I, I heard, I think, a, a Tampa Bay Times reporter put on uh, like a Twitter. His name's Chris Spada. He's a great guy. He put out there, he's like, hey, I want to talk to someone and follow them doing stand-up comedy for the first time. And so I, uh, yeah, I my first stand-up comedy, if you can imagine how nerve-wracking it is. I, I, that Telling your stupid dick jokes to people and hoping they laugh. And it, like imagine doing that in front of a big crowd of strangers you've never met any of them before on stage. You're trying to be funny. Now imagine a reporter for the, the largest newspaper in the state of Florida and a photographer documenting everything you're doing up there for five minutes it was so nerve-wracking but at the end of it i had a blast 
I, I had so much fun with it. It, it was it, it was very scary, but you know when you're out there, you don't. There's so many lights on you, you don't see the crowd, and you're just like, okay, in my head, I'll just tell myself everyone's laughing and having fun. They're probably sitting there, but uh, I had a lot of fun with it, and I ended up. I thought that the he did the story about it and ended up going on. He put, it was like an online story. I'm like, okay, maybe it's just like a little fun story they put online, and so I um I, I was. I, it was on Sunday morning. I was coming, I was leaving church, going back. Another thing that might have never been said on this podcast is I left church on Sunday. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I don't <laughs> think that's ever been said on this podcast either. Uh, no, I was coming back. I, like, I had to think about yeah. that one for a second. I was like, <laughs> maybe? I don't believe you're all heathens, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, I, it's church was over. I was we going are. back to my car. And my phone was blowing up, and I was on the front page of me holding a microphone and telling dick jokes. And so it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was the most nerve-wracking thing, and... You know, my phone has just been blowing up since then. My dick jokes, my Rosa Parks jokes really took off. And my phone has been blowing up from, like, I've been on uh, Stephen Colbert. Sorry, your, Rosa, your, Rosa, your Rosa Parks jokes. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that off the air. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a racist joke, I promise. Um, but, yeah, my phone's been blowing up. I've been on all kinds. No. <laughs> I was like. It was the one time I did it. Yeah, yeah I, I was like, you were on Stephen Colbert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another like... conversation, but, no, I. I, I had fun doing it, and it was I, I'll probably never do it again. Um, so it was fun, but nice. Yeah, I had no idea. I think I remember somebody saying uh, Axel's doing stand up tonight, and I think I'd talked to you like twice, <laughs> and I was like, Axel, he's not that funny. Why would he be doing that? He's kind of quiet. Like, <laughs> yeah. is this is this what? Okay, all right, and hope that goes well. I know it's me. like I know because it's like Lewis, I, I'm such a nerd. I'm like I, I could talk to you about every stupid you know motorist rights and transportation policy initiative in the country that's hard to like yeah i do have I, I do enjoy funny stuff every now and then yeah no i uh my 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 favorite stand-up is uh mike berbiglia oh, he's great yeah. he's great he's great and i just went through and i watched everything of his again the oh, other yeah. day yeah. like i watch him probably four times a year yeah. i just went through them all in one day <laughs> the other day um um, and yeah, I, I going, going back to Stanhope, you know, a huge inspiration to me, both, you know, professionally and comedically, um, his album, no refunds, yeah. very libertarian, very uh, libertarian. Yeah. It does a lot of libertarian points and, and he's absolutely hilarious. I, I, I've seen him a million times and his podcast is great. I, I never listen, I never miss an episode of his podcast and yeah. it's, it's, he's great. It's almost as good as ours, but yeah, almost. Yeah. Not quite. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't live across the street from a Bernie Sanders mailbox. That's so true. He, he's beat by that. I mean, he might, <laughs> <laughs> he probably had Bisbee no, or something. Never been probably. to his house. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Mike Perbiglia, John Mulaney. Yeah. Louis CK. I don't care about the, <laughs> I don't care about that issue. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's no. Louis C.K. And, and he's a comedian. I, I hate to tell you, but every comedian is involved in that in some way, shape. Same, not me. Yeah. I'm not a comedian. I'm telling <laughs> dumb jokes. I'm telling dumb, stupid stats about driving. But right. uh, yeah, big time <laughs> comedians will t- <laughs> all have some kind of like horrible Me Too story. And, and right. I don't endorse it. But... Yeah, uh, yeah, Axel, he came and he talked to me about driving statistics and uh well let's <laughs> just say that it was it was not consensual <laughs> we were talking about you know about duis and 85th percentile of speed limits then we went to the green room and, and oh my god it just went <laughs> i didn't think that but i think it would go that direction so quick <laughs> um 
Uh, so, uh, do you have anything that you would like to plug, t- tell the people about, tell, I mean, I'll give you however long you want to do it, really. No, I don't have anything to add. I, I, I don't work for any, I don't work for them, but I definitely would get involved in motorist.org. It's National Motorist Association. You can just Google that. I believe the website's motorist.org. Uh, to be a member is, like I said, it's, it's like 10, 15 bucks. It's super cheap uh, and it goes towards the, the, what, what we do. And the organization has been around a very long time. They fight a lot of that stuff and, you know, advocate a more common sense approach. I hate the word common. And that's why I was like yesterday I was thinking of how to do my elevator speech. Right. Like the, the term common sense and the word of politics has been co-opted and just means stupid stuff. Yes. It's like common sense gun control. Common sense gun control or common sense that man. I hate. Right. So it's like I, I got to find it. I got to find another way of phrasing this. But they do. It's a very common sense approach to, to transportation policy and, and, and motorist rights. So definitely get involved in that. I, I think, um, you know, motorist.org. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, for everybody else, thank you for watching. Please like, please share. Uh, if you are listening to this on iTunes, Google, Radio Public, any of the other ones, uh, hit the old favorite button, subscribe, share with your friends, leave a comment, and uh, I'll probably write back. Um, and by probably, I'll write back. Um, uh, if you are looking for us on the social media you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Muddy Waters of Freedom. You can find us on Instagram at Muddy Waters of Freedom. You can find us on Twitter at Muddy underscore Waters. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Muddy Waters of Freedom. We are now on Float, uh, F-L-O-T-E, for anybody who uh, has never heard of that one. Uh, and we are float.app, F-L-O-T-E dot app slash Muddied Waters Media. Um, I actually just had to look. Wouldn't it be funny if it was like Muddied Waters Media, like fifteen thirty-five, because all the other Muddied right, Waters were, right. were taken on Float.app. Yeah, on Float.app, all the other Muddied Waters people <laughs> people tried to take it from it. Um, and uh, you can find this in every episode at MuddiedWatersMedia.com tomorrow night. Shabbat Shalom, as Spike says. Uh, Jason Lyon with the Shabbat episode of. Mr. America, the Bearded Truth, and we're taking two days off, and Jason Lyon returns next Monday with his regular episode of Mr. America, the Bearded Truth, and Jason Lyon, congratulations to him, because next Tuesday will be his very first co-hosting of Muddied Waters of Freedom. Uh, I am out of town, and then my fellow Americans next week on Wednesday with Spike Cohen, and there's no episode uh, of the Writer's Block next week, because I will be in... Cleveland. Nice. <laughs> Never been to Cleveland. Not looking forward to it. Go to th- I, go to uh, go to Cedar Point. It's only thing. I think it's outside of Cleveland. Is, ways, yeah, but. I think so. I'm not really sure. Where, uh, that is in Sandusky. It's in Sandusky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, I'm going up there to see a Red Sox game with my dad, oh, and nice. we're going to go hit the uh, Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. Right so that's the only other thing I know about yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Rock and Roll Hall. Only two things I know about yeah. Cleveland. I think they have the Browns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Allegedly. And they used to have uh, LeBron James. Yeah. That's it. Uh, but tune in to all of that. Next week, I will not be here. I'll be back the week after that with Aaron Nakamoto. We are finally getting that show going on. Either that or this is just going to turn into a Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon thing where I just always apologize to her. Um, but thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, have yourselves a wonderful weekend. And uh, be sure to catch Jason sh- Jason's show tomorrow.
What's this other? I am swinging from a seven-story window, throwing parties in a ten by seven cell. It's a stunning the legs I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Yeah, I am waving while I drown. Don't bother swimming out to save me. I will only drag you down. I'll try to use your body as a life raft. If there's room enough for one, there must be room enough for two. I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset. Sipping on savory water till my liver turns blue.